Welcome to Tights Camera Action. It's the podcast that ranks movie genres and comes up with comic book movies at number one. I'm Stephanie Kachias and welcome to this episode. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Kyle Scherer and Owen Vandenberg. And uh, guys, it's been a long time since we've uh, got together and do this. Like, 2018 was a bit of a write-off um, for us in lots, for lots of different reasons. Um, and now we actually uh, are going to be going probably on a much more extended break because one of us is moving cities and starting a whole new life. He's, uh, well, the CIA, CIA are finally on to him and he's had to go into witness protection. Yep. And by which I mean I'm moving to Sydney. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and that's not a decoy at all. I'm definitely moving to Sydney, and you'll be able to see photos of me in Sydney in front of famous Sydney landmarks. Yeah, with the with the paper with today's date on it, so we know. Yeah, totally. That you're alive and well in Sydney. With the Sydney Morning Herald, yeah. which you can only get in Sydney, as we all know. True. Um, so because of that, we thought we'd do uh, a bit of a wrap up, and we we were thinking, what could we talk about that's kind of significant in the comic book movie world? And I guess. Uh, the, there was one option that kind of really stood out to us, right? My idea was Smallville. Yes. All episodes, all seasons, like rank everything. Yep. Just like get into the real nitty gritty. That was uh, vetoed pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. The one time that Martian Manhunter was on mm. and they didn't follow through with that ever. Well, you know, That's... they had a lot of balls in the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could have gotten into that, but never mind. So what did we decide to do though, Kyle? We decided to do all of the... All 20 of the Marvel Studios movies since 2008. Yes. Uh, This is significant because they have been out for 10 years now. Marvel's been going on. They've rebranded themselves Marvel. Marvel 10 years. Stardom 10S. Yeah. Stardom 10 Yes, Yes, And so, yeah, there's 20 movies. So there's a lot to get through. And ranking them, it's like first, second, third, equal, fourth, 20th. Basically, so many of them just occupy that same kind of middle ground. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this, yeah, before we started recording. Just that the the idea that they've managed to make so many like that's fine. Yeah, out, out yeah. of the twenty, like I think that's a big reason for their success. Has been mm. it's perfectly fine, kind of you know enjoyable but inoffensive for the most part. And, and we were looking at the Rotten Tomato rankings based on like the critics' responses, and even the twentieth ranking least least liked film that they've done was like 66% on the Rotten Tomato meter, which is still fresh technically. And, um, you know, is still much better than a lot of other films. So even their weakest, which is, well, you know, definitely weak, weak to our, in our opinions, but certainly not like complete and utter disasters, Mm. you know, compared to say DC or I don't know, just some other comic book movies out there that are a complete and utter mess but our individual 1 to 20 rankings did not really gel entirely with the rotten tomato scores anyway so, or with each other's yeah so yeah so i guess we're that's gonna kind of collate them all and then just run through them and we've got like two minutes per movie or something so <laughs> well, we gotta, i'm not we gonna kind of <laughs> get a bit of adrenaline yeah we gotta get we gotta get going it's hot day so we gotta try and Power through all of these movies. So, Owen, oh, what's our what's our ranking system here? What are we doing? All right. So, what we did was all three of us uh, came up with our, our one to twenty rankings for MCU. 
Um, after some prodding, Kyle actually came up with a real ranking and not just his bit ranking, which was the inverse of the Rotten Tomatoes ranking. Genuine. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> Move on. Well, so. it, was, it was hard because it's like, do we do them in chronological order? Do we do them in like favourite to least favourite by Rotten Tomatoes? My other idea was to do them via their Dewey Decimal System yeah. place to make it really kind of scientific. And, and people will love that and, and really it's, get it's it. And it's the objective way that they are they are filed in, in the library. So mm, mm. to me, that's, you know, going against fair. that is, yeah. you know, it makes this a bit sort of informal, but, you know, it is a podcast, so, you know, I guess yeah. it'll slide. We yeah. are here for subjectivity more than anything. So sure. what we did was uh, each of our... If you if we ranked something... If we ranked a movie number one, we gave it 20 points. Ranked okay. number two, 19 points, all the way down to whatever our 20th ranked movie was, only got one point. We added those points together for all three of us, and then just ranked them based on the total points allocated, and that has how we've got an aggregate ranking for Tights Camera Action's top... 20. Yeah. I mean, top 20, they're all, all 20. The ranking for all mm. 20 Marvel movies. Yes. And um, and Owen's actually done this um, for us. Kyle and I don't know what our final mm. order is. Yeah, so this I should... haven't revealed what my ranking was. No. I so... can't even remember most of my rankings. No, I don't. I can barely remember most of mine. So I guess... Um... You just wrote Iron Man 2 20 times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So what we're going to do is Owen's going to start uh, revealing... 20 to number one and we're going to have a quick chat about each of them some of them might be a bit more in-depth chats than others some of them we might just go yeah that that movie happened not much to say about ant-man and the wasp for me at least well Mm, let's see what happens when we get there hey (laughs) i can barely remember some of the movies but uh um we'll we'll go through them we'll kind of review maybe what happened that year i've got the we've got the years in front of us as well so we can maybe review each year there was usually sort of one standout Mm. um yeah, should Great. we just get Let's into it? Jump into it. Okay, so coming in at number 20 on our aggregate ranking is the only time that we, uh, as a combined group, agreed with the Rotten Tomatoes ranking, which is Thor The Dark World. At number 20. At number 20. I, but I didn't have that as number 20. You so did not. I question your whole spreadsheet. <laughs> but the points allocation... Did have it as number twenty. So as an aggregate. So you didn't have it as. Yeah. What did you have so it as? If you're going uh, to do this know, every like... time that the aggregate ranking doesn't agree with your specific ranking, or then... even the Dewey Decimal ranking. Okay. So it's already so... out the window. <laughs> so Kyle had it at number sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. So it was down there, but not dead last. Yeah. I think dead last is harsh for, for Thor. The Dark so World. why do you think it's harsh for Thor? The Dark Should World? we actually every time I say what our aggregate ranking is, I'll give what our individual ones yeah. were too. Okay. okay yeah. So so Thor Thor uh, Thor the Dark World for me number nineteen for Steph number twenty and for Kyle uh, number seventeen. Oh, so I've got it as here. Oh, he must have updated the scores. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is controversial. No, no, that's all right. We'll go as you. My, 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 my spreadsheet might be a little bit out of date to yours. Oh, okay. Spreadsheet. This is going to be about so spreadsheets. Very data centric. This is a spreadsheet podcast yeah. now. Um, okay, so why why is twenty and and we should say so? Rotten Tomatoes also has it as their least. They have it as number twenty. Really yeah. below Hulk. It's the lowest. Yep, yep. It's the lowest. Sixty six percent. Okay. Which is still fresh. Okay. So what, why is well, that? Well, I'll, I'll turn that around on you. Why is it number 20 for you? Well, it's not a very good movie. Mm. It's the... It, it feels like uh, it's on autopilot most of the time. It feels like someone else trying to make what they think a Marvel movie is. And I think mm. that was, a, that was a, a big 
thing in a lot of Phase 2 movies. Uh, Post-Avengers, they were kind of going, let's just what, try and replicate the success of the previous. No, the, they hadn't quite found how much... To push. Yeah, to push with those things. The only thing on autopilot in that movie was freaking Heimdall, the worst, shittest watch, watchman slash guardian ever, whose like, only job it is to like see everything in the universe and then consistently misses... The Dark Elves coming in, Loki just going in and out on, like, a flying motorcycle or mm. whatever that spaceship was. Yeah. Like, Thor going in and out. So, you know, Heimdall, I think, dropped the ball a lot in that movie, but that didn't matter because everyone else was just on point. I I, I love Thor. Um, big, big Thor fan. And, you know, I can't, I can't really hate a Thor movie. I think there are Marvel movies that are worse than that. Yeah. I still don't hate it, though. Like, no, even, I don't This yeah. is the thing with what they do, is everything is kind of likeable, but this one is so forgettable to me. And I do love the Thor franchise. The Thor franchise is my favourite part of yeah. the MCU. I think it's the strongest uh, thing that's come out of it. But this is also their, their difficult sophomore album. Yes. As, as Thor. It had such beloved... Thor supporting characters as Lady Sif and the Warriors 3 who Lame One of whom had been recast Yeah As well <laughs> Unceremoniously killed off in yep. uh, The Last Thor Yeah, Ragnarok uh, yeah. Not Sif, but I think the Warriors 3 were just killed instantly Which yep. is a pity and She know, wasn't even in it yeah, yeah, yeah I think she's getting a TV show though <sighs> But My favourite Warriors 3 uh, trivia is that Hogan the Grim uh, who was the dude with, like, the mace uh, mm. in it, uh, was the comic character was originally based on Charles Bronson because it was, <laughs> like, came out of the 70s. Right. And I just loved that. And I wish he'd channeled a little bit more Bronson in that movie. Mm. That would have been amazing. Yeah, okay. I he owed it. Alright, okay, so I think we agree. I agree. I, I would say it's definitely the weakest of all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. I, I think everyone kind of knows why. Oh, I agree with Owen. He wrapped it up pretty well. I, I... I... Look, it's not terrible. I don't hate it. I don't hate any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. I definitely think some are more rated than mm. they should be. I think you could call it overrated, mm -hmm. but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway... Hey, Malekith. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a pine box. And okay. then he just does the... Finger gun, like the end of Deathbed. I like the idea that the Vikings came down to like the, the Asgardians came down like a thousand years ago or whatever to fight in the Viking War, and then Hogan was just like individually like drafted into Vietnam and then just like came down in the seventies and like got some flamethrowers and shit. Went down, fought some street crime in Chicago for a bit, and then like popped back up. Okay. He, that was that was most of what I had to say about the Dark World. But okay. that alone is. Why it doesn't get 20 in mind. What do you think about Malekith? Because he Crap. often gets called the worst Marvel villain. It's just, like, I mean, you've got Christopher Eccleston doing almost nothing. Like, he can act what he feels like. He's clearly there for just putting on some prosthetic makeup and take a payday. Yeah. Which is good for him. Like, yeah, but no, that's <laughs> I think he was kind of... I think he's a better villain than everyone gives him credit for. What's he and want? I think, well... What's he do? He, he really <laughs> went through an arc because, you know, his face was like... He had, like, half a face, and half of his face was, like, burnt off. Mm. And he had that really interesting line about either dying a hero or living long enough to see yourself become a villain. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. And he I shoots that guy with a revolver. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember all of what happened, but I, I do remember just that scene where he lost his 
face in like that warehouse fire wow was, like screaming was really and his powerful. girlfriend died as yeah. well yeah um i think you might be getting that confused okay. with another movie well should we move on to 19 yes that's exhausted yeah. my thor the dark boy <laughs> yeah yeah well you you got it all out there honey so that's good number 19 uh is iron man 2 from 2010 this was ranked at number where is it for kyle Iron Man 2 was 16 on Kyle's ranking, 19 for Steph's ranking, 20 for mine, Ooh, it's my least favourite Marvel movie, and Rotten Tomatoes, I'm going to get better at this as we go, I'm like still getting the hang of yeah. where to look at in my spreadsheet, uh, Rotten Tomatoes ranking for Iron Man 2 was number 16. Okay. Agreeing with Kyle. Mmm, mm. there we go. Mm. Wow. So, uh... The Iron Man movies for me are my least favourite. I find them boring. I find him an uninteresting character that um, is basically just not only uninteresting, kind of unpleasant to be with. And this movie is, you know, I think everyone agrees is the weakest of the three of them. It's just... Um, I can't even really remember what happens. I know Mickey Rourke is in it. Mm. Yep. He's uh, with Sam Rockwell. Was good yeah. in it. Oh, some... Sam Rockwell was playing the same character he plays in Charlie's Angels. Yeah. A deeply, deeply bangable Sam Rockwell. <laughs> I, I actually could probably give it. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's not. Well, maybe that's why I didn't make it number 20. Hmm. Oscar winner some... Sam Rockwell. There you go. There's definitely some good elements in Iron Man 2 that you could see, like, being. that could have been developed into a cohesive movie. Like, the idea of consequences um, from. Uh, Tony's father and his behaviour that that also followed through into how Tony behaves, re- being revisited on him in this kind of... Like, thematically, it's got some strong bones. Well, that's what I wanted to bring up with Iron Man 2. I wasn't sure whether to bring it up in Iron Man 2 or Black Panther, but I find it really interesting that in Iron Man 2, they kind of tried to do that story, and it's based on this old sort of narrative archetype called the Fisher King, where the son of a king, a much-beloved king... Uh, his lands or himself is poisoned and that's a result of the bad choices his father made so he has to rectify those and it's a really old story and they they really um, wimped out of doing that in Iron Man 2 because mm-hmm. they were like oh you know it started off exactly like that Tony was slowly getting poisoned he idolises his father and then he finds out that his father may not have been as perfect as he thought he was uh, but then it turns out oh no your father was perfect, and then you just fix the poisoning because you're smart. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting that it took them until yeah, Black, Black Panther. Panther to kind of... Wrestle with that again. Yeah, and I find yeah. it interesting, like, part of me finds it interesting that it's like, oh, they finally get a movie with Black with a black lead, and then they kind of can talk about, oh, you know, our fathers aren't perfect, and I'm not mm. sure what the Ooh. kind of... I think there might have been an angle to that. Then I remembered that Thor Ragnarok came out say, before that and also that dealt with too. similar themes. Yeah. So I think they kind of grew to a stage where they were just able to do a proper story rather mm. than just this we really have, yeah. kind of blood-free version of everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that these movies have to be dark and gritty, but if you look at even like classic Disney fairy tales, you know... They're not afraid to say that, you know, someone killed someone or someone was bad or, you know, they have to, they stick to those old kind of occasionally gruesome stories that work. And when you just back out of all the consequences, then you end up with something like Iron Man 2, which just completely falls flat. Yeah. And you've got that. um, Also, by the way, I can't 
ever tell if you're like on your way to a bit. So thank you for giving like a real serious one. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm just looking for where that's going to be yeah. like turned I into. Here's my bit where I do my Charles Bronson impression yeah. again. Hey. Uh, <laughs> it's my own fault for invoking it that time. You scumbag. But um, I think that's a really good point that there were no real consequences given in Iron Man 2 and that's part of the problem is that he's just you just get like a percentage on a little meter that tells him he's being poisoned. It mm. does nothing for how he's actually behaving or he doesn't he doesn't fail at many things because of the poisoning or anything like that. It's just kind of yeah, it's it's like they're sort of paying a bit of lip service to that archetype and then not following through on it. And I think it's partly the the confidence like they've got more confidence as a studio and it's uh, now to make those kind of stories and do them properly mm. Iron Man 2 has the all the fingerprints of being rushed because Iron Man 1 did so well yeah. like I don't think it was originally going to be part of phase 1 right I can't remember it was like, yeah. I think in response to Iron Man doing, doing so well they went okay here's our plan for Avengers but including that we're doing Iron Man 2 yeah, yeah. Iron and Man 2 came out before Avengers yeah. which is yeah. kind of bizarre yeah. really. well yeah, not really because at that stage they'd only done like Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk so Iron Man was the really big one so I don't think they had they, I don't think at that stage they were thinking of how big it was gonna be. actually going to yeah, get yeah. they probably had hopes yeah. but I think they were you know going with what worked yeah true what's number six 18. 18. Uh, 18 is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Oh. And I was very happy to see that we all kind of agree that this isn't a great one. So mm. my yes. ranking for this is 18 uh, okay. as well. And uh, Steph's ranking is 14. Kyle's is 18. And Rotten Tomatoes has this at number 12. They like it a lot more than us. Mm. When yeah. I say they, I mean the website Rotten Tomatoes, which is definitely making editorial decisions. Well, and not just Rotten Tomatoes is, yeah. just to be clear, no, that's I thought, like... I thought you meant just... the Rothschilds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was I not meant to look at Rothschild Tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> the what would, what Rothschild. would be number one on Rothschild's Tomatoes? Oh, probably... probably that Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that'd be like what mom? oh, that's that's a separate category now. Yeah. What the, the real superhero. <laughs> yeah. Who is John Gold? John Gold. Oh, oh, Iron Man. Iron Man would yeah. be their number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so um, I liked this a little bit better than you guys by the sounds of it. I mean, look, I... Uh, Look, for me, Guardians 2 falls into my sort of swamp of the middle. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, I don't think it necessarily for me ranks as one of the worst. Um, but at the same time, I certainly don't think it's one of the best either. It's uh, It was pretty disappointing, pretty unmemorable. I, I remember a scene where, like... Uh, um, Kurt Russell just sort of bangs his way through a universe and I found that kind of weird. Yep. Uh... Uh, I mean, look, Kurt Russell was... I remember when they announced that he was playing that character, I was really excited because mm. I think that's great casting. And it mm. is great casting, and I could watch Kurt Russell in anything. And um, and he was great in it, and I think he probably saved that movie. It was a pity that he turned into such a bland villain and that, um, that the twist that he was bad was so obvious and yeah. kind of... Not only obvious to people who'd read the comics, but obviously just obvious when you watch the movie there's really not much else going on in the film there is some cool things in it there's the great um sister kind of relationship between gamora and uh nebula that is developed a little further there's the great north by northwest um kind of tribute shot where 
um, Nebula is firing at Gamora from a plane and she's running across the mm. thing, which is, I thought that was a cool scene. And, um, and there was also the amazing, I guess, death of Yondu, which mm. that scene was good too. So it's got some good things in it. And that's why for me, it's not one of my worst um, it de- yeah, it has it has some good stuff, but then it has like more cutesy baby Groot, which I love baby Groot in the first one. But then it's like, oh my god, they hit it too we're hard. gonna hit it too hard now. And yeah, so there was also just all that sort of cringiness. I'm really not into Chris Pratt anymore, <laughs> and he's really soured for me. So yeah, for me, a real mixed bag. Why did you guys rank it so low? Uh, I think you said it swamp yeah. of the middle. Yeah, it's just I I liked seeing it. Like all of these movies, but you know, it's not one I'm in a rush to see again. There's not much I took away from it. I remember thinking that scene where all of the space pirates get like killed by getting shot out into the vacuum of space was pretty. I don't even dark. remember that. Yeah. Like Yondu's whole crew just gets like executed. Yep. Uh, yeah, because they've all mutinied, so he instantly just brutally murders all oh, of them. Oh, b- but before that, like, yeah. they they murdered all the loyalists, and then he murdered oh, yeah, all right. of them. There's yes. a lot of murder happening. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, apart from that, I can't really think of any anything much to say about it. I The the thing that really always bothered me so much with Guardians 2 is the um, reliance on... Uh, like, the term I've heard is idiot plot, um, which, meaning that if the, the plot requires, for the plot to advance as it does, it requires your um, characters to behave... Really dumb. Really dumb in ways that they would not be... Um, hmm. that the, Yeah, that the, the, they would be dumber it, than they should be about something. out of character. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's, there's definitely... Other Guardians are telling Quill, hey, this guy's... This doesn't seem right. He's, you know, your dad, but, um, you know, I, we think he's up to something. But then... So it, it kind of makes sense that Quill would be like, no, I want to get to know my dad. But even the other Guardians who are saying he's not okay, mm. they're not really doing much with it. Yeah. yeah. Really, I feel like that it didn't... It felt like they really just had to keep them all separate and kind of neutral until they get to the big confrontation. So I feel, a lot of it feels like they're just spinning wheels yeah. in the middle. I didn't feel like... I didn't buy any kind of actual relationship between Quill and his dad. It just feels like... And I hate the Hasselhoff cameo. hate <laughs> it. It's just... It's it's just it's the same problem as Baby Groot. It's been hit too hard. Yeah, it's not yeah, funny, yeah. and I hated that it landed really well in the cinema when I saw it. Because <laughs> I'm like, it's so obvious to make a Hasselhoff cameo, and I don't like giving Hasselhoff any money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, even though we did a whole podcast on him. Yeah, oh, but we so, didn't yeah. give him any money. No, for true, that. true. We watched true. that movie on YouTube. True, true, mm-hmm. true. So. Uh, yeah, it's interesting what you said about telegraphed. Uh, how telegraphed uh, Kurt Russell being bad was because. Uh, there's nothing wrong, I think, with knowing that a character is going to be a villain. Uh, and if you take a look at something like The Dark Knight, when just by virtue of his name, like you know Harvey Dent is going to be Two Face, and you're kind of just waiting for it the yeah. whole time. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I get, I get what you mean by that. And uh, but, well, the difference there mm. is a the character goes through like you're actually in, he does actually seem like a genuinely good person mm. in the dark knight and you you then become inv- you are invested in him as a good person and then you go but i know he's going to be two-faced what happens to him to mm. turn him so bad and that becomes a point of intrigue and a plot point and an interesting arc to follow whereas when a character comes in sort of half twirling their mustache yeah. going like i'm your dad and you it is so obviously telegraphed that they are bad without any real conflict yeah. there 
that's when it's lazy and bad mm. and it, that has nothing to do with it that you know you know the the extended um narrative of reading a comic and mm. knowing it's just lazy story writing yeah no I, I absolutely yeah. agree with that yeah and the even the like the the way they handled the comedy that worked in the first one they sort of missed some of what made that work when they did it again in the second. So, yeah. like, a lot of the humour from Drax comes from him being very deadpan, but they just kept making Drax laugh at everything and really over-the-top laughter as well. Yeah. So it felt like... It feels like Dave Bautista's I... really trying to do a fake laugh. Mm. In a sort of... It just doesn't... It kind of... Rolls, and then they go back to proper deadpan Drax in Infinity mm. War and it works so much well, better. Well, I'd be keen to... When we talk about Infinity War and we talk about the um, the first Guardians movie, we might get into this, but I, mm. I have some conflicted feelings about Drax in general as a character. Okay. Like, he, I'm just not sure if it really works. I don't know. We'll he does about... use metaphors. Yeah. Like, when Rocket... Was talk introduced him and is like, oh, you can't use metaphors. His race doesn't understand metaphors, but he does. I can't remember what well, it was, he but he later. says he says a couple of them. Oh, in the first one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, anyway, I, I just I, I find the whole the I don't know if it's the actor, I don't know if it's the writing, I don't know what it is, but sometimes it doesn't quite land for me, and I just find it very awkward. Hmm. But um, but that's okay. We can hmm. we can talk about that later. Let's move on. Coming in at number seventeen. Let, I, I'm gonna try and get. I'm gonna try and guess. Okay. The Incredible Hulk. Yes. <gasps> oh, <Hey. laughs> uh, this is ranked number sixteen by me, number seventeen by Steph, number fourteen by Kyle, and uh, number nineteen by Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah, we like this more than Rotten Tomatoes. Mm, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Just when we say Rotten Tomatoes, it, we don't mean the Rothschilds Tomatoes. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes is an aggregate site. I'm sure you've heard of it. They, they aggregate all the critics um, and they say if a review is positive or negative and they aggregate all of that and give it a score of positive or negative percent. So, um, and then what they've done with this list is just rank by all their rankings. So, Rothschild's Tomatoes actually ranked Incredible Hulk quite highly because of the scene where the US military comes into a <laughs> South American country. <laughs> okay. So The Incredible Hulk 2... Uh, the Incredible Hulk 2. The Incredible Hulk is... I, in my opinion, a bit unfairly maligned. Um, I, apart from the fact that it is a fairly stock standard story and isn't, you know, um, doesn't push stylistically like some of the later films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe does, it has some pretty good set pieces. It has, I think, a really great performance by Edward Norton in it. It also yeah. has a pretty great performance by Liv Tyler, which is a weird thing to say, but she's great in that movie. She's good. She's great in Leftovers. She's great in a lot of things, but I think people underestimate her. Um, it's got my boo, Tim Roth, who I love and could watch in anything as a villain who's always who always delivers. Um, I just think it's underrated a little bit. And I just, I also, like, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Mm. I mean, none of them are terrible. We keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think for an early Marvel film, it's it holds up, you know. Um, and it's got the great um, scene in the beginning where he's running through, is it? Whatever that, whatever the sort of the shanty town, what are they called? Oh, they've got a name. Favela. Yeah, the favelas. Um, mm. when he's when when Bruce is running across the uh, yeah, escaping, he's, he's oh, got his, make, his makeshift lab made out of like bicycle tires and yeah. all of this yeah. sort of stuff, and living on the low. Yeah, it, it was good. I liked that. Um, so you know, I, I just I think people are a little bit unfair to that movie. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's um. I, I think it's one of those like because it was their second movie that they made and it came out what a month or two yeah, after not long yeah, like they they were they were doing they were kind of I think that was actually at the time expected to be their safety 
Like, they were like, if Iron Man doesn't do well, mm. Hulk's an established character, this will probably be enough to... And it was actually kind of inversed in terms yeah. of what they... Yeah, like, they made a lot more with Iron Man. Um, it just feels... It feels like it carries a lot of the uh, fingerprints of... Um, I think that's just my word for today, of, of what superhero movies were like at the time. Yeah. The MCU hadn't really made that fundamental shift yet, and it's it's um, just kind of hedging its bets. It sets up, you know, the leader for a future movie mm. that never happened. It just it just feels a little bit cookie-cutter of this is a very 2008-esque mm. superhero movie. It feels just like another one of, of the time. And did Dark Knight come out that year? Well. It did, yeah. yeah, that's right. So 2008 was a huge year for comic book movies because yeah. it was it was Iron Man and The Dark Knight yeah. and this and, but I I think um yeah I guess when you look at it in in light of Iron Man and then yeah The Dark Knight obviously it comes down pretty low, mm. um considering what else we started to see. It's interesting. Um, Kyle and I in preparation for this podcast watched two films. We watched uh, Black Panther again and we watched the original Avengers again. Mm. Um, what we And really it was, well, one, because we hadn't, we, we couldn't remember what, what had happened in them. But Black Panther is a stage three movie and really does scream stage three mm. in terms of how far, and when you compare it to stage one movies or phase one movies, I should say, um, it's, it's incredible how the style evolved. Like when mm. you go back and watch those first few movies... Um, in, in phase one and compare it to what we're seeing now in like 2017, 18, 19, it's uh, light and day. It's really interesting how that whole, how the whole universe has, de- has, um, yeah, has developed, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, Incredible Hulk commits the big Hulk sin for me. Uh, and this is, I think, more emphasised than Avengers uh, which I'll get into when we talk about that one, but of the fact that Bruce Banner wasn't researching uh, a new form of bomb uh, when the accident happened. He was just doing, I don't know, some other science. He was doing super soldier Look research. At, mm-hmm. Looking at, I don't know, high fructose corn syrup levels <laughs> in cereals or some shit and then accidentally got exploded. Uh, but I, I really think, like, the whole point of the Hulk is that it's, you know, man trying to create this new horrific form of warfare this gigantic like bomb like a super soldier no <laughs> like, a, like a big bomb that indiscriminately kills and destroys everything and then he becomes the force that he can't control yeah, I agree thematically like, that's much stronger and I wish they had like yeah. kept with that especially like they they did that because they wanted to do the you know because they needed to foreshadow Captain America and yeah. so it's a fun yeah. way to do that but I yeah I agree that it's I, I feel like it would have been much more um both true to the to the original character, but also that could have paid off in later Avengers movies in terms mm. of creating these huge unstoppable forces. That's something yeah. that gets brought up in Ultron. That's something that gets brought up in um, in Infinity War as well. Just this this sort of yeah these these unstoppable destructive forces. Yeah, and then just shading them a little bit. Like I, I don't think that the adaptations have to take everything from the comics. I think they should depart from the comics, and that's fine. But it just I think when you have the original origin of the Hulk where he's trying to make a bomb and he, like, essentially becomes a bomb and it's that reveals the whole facade of scientists being able to just wash their hands of the horror that they create, it just, like, clicks on a fundamental level with us. And even if we don't analyse it, when we see that play out, it's just, like, it makes sense as a story and it just kind of scratches that 
itch uh, whereas we can tell when things just don't work as a story like we can tell watching Iron Man 2 that it doesn't really work and yeah the the reason that is is because of the it's kind of had this one narrative that it completely wimped out of uh, and you don't have to analyze it to just realize that something's not right not and right. I, I get that from the Hulk and the Marvel movies though I do love Mark Ruffalo yeah, I mean, I I love Mark Ruffalo too. I should say it's not. I don't. Um, I don't begrudge him anything. He's great. Um, if but anyone's I, wondering why I haven't taken a stance yet, I'd just like to come out and say that I also love Mark Ruffalo. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this is a pro Mark Ruffalo podcast. Po- podcast. But I just yeah. I I mean, to be honest, I always thought that Ed Norton was. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, when he got cast, I remember thinking he looked too, like a normal person and Ed Norton to me looks more like a dweeb or something like that like it, Mark mm. Ruffalo looks too cool to be mm. um, sometimes to, for me to be a scientist like Edward Norton has that boyish sort of dweeby look about him that he sort of always has that I think worked for that character and Mark Ruffalo is like this sexy cool like handsome dude who's mm. like nice and yeah. like I don't know I never quite got his to me, it was like, is this guy a scientist? Like, I'm not sure he ever really... That said, I, I love his performance. Like, I, I don't have anything... Like... But he wears glasses. Oh, true. Yeah, he wears glasses. I did... Li- I, I do like Edward Norton's banner more for a standalone thing, like, as as Hulk for its own movie. Yeah. Um, I think Mark Ruffalo's banner is really good and entertaining and much more of a kind of team player thing, which yeah. is why they recast him in the mm. first place. Uh, but I do think Edward Norton plays more convincingly that kind of tortured soul element of Banner. Yeah. He looks real thin. I feel, I feel like he's quite thin in this, right? He looks pretty worn down. Like he's yeah, kind he's of, naturally kind of this slim. Is, this yeah. is before they sort of made anyone contractually be as like ridiculously ripped for the yeah. white shirtless scene sure. that they have Doctor Strange. Um, <laughs> despite there being no reason for them to be like yeah. that yeah. ripped. Um, yeah, so he's actually like I think he has a, a shirtless scene or two in this, but he's just got like he's yeah. like lean. He's mm. not. He's not. Yeah. And that, that that is something that 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 Banner should be. Like he's often yeah. drawn as this kind of gangly beanpole almost. And to defend Mark Ruffalo, he also doesn't rip up when he has his shirt up. He just looks like a normal dude. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got. Um, I mean, Banner's got to be like fundamentally. He's he's a guy that's been bullied his whole life. Yeah. So he's got to give off that vibe, really. Mm. If you want to hear more us talk about the the the. I guess the, the the tragedy of the Hulk. Um, listen to our first ever episode where we do Ang Lee's Hulk. Mm. Uh, I think I think uh, both Mark Ruffalo and Edward Norton are better than Eric Banner. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. As, mu- as much as I am always the one to be defending Ang Lee's Hulk, I've got to admit Eric Banner as Bruce Banner is is not good. No, <laughs> but yeah, if you, it's our first ever episode, and we get in, right into the the Hulk the Hulk mm-hmm. uh, world. But anyway. Sam, Sam Elliott is the greatest Thunderbolt Ross we will ever. Oh have. well, mm. true, true, true. <laughs> that was yeah. Uh, shall we move on? Yes. Yeah. Okay, coming in at number 15. 16? Does anyone want to... Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. 16. Yes, my bad. Avengers Age of Ultron. Ooh. From 2015. It got 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. I ranked it at 17. Uh, Steph ranked it at 13. Kyle ranked it at 13. And Rotten Tomatoes ranked it at 17. So I agree with Rotten Tomatoes. You two agree with each other, and we're a bit ahead. And you're you're a bit ahead of you're you. a bit charitable. Yeah, we were. One. I think I was a bit charitable with this with this pick. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think it's that bad. I, I mean, I know people are a bit over it, and um, it has some. I mean, the only thing I can keep thinking of is the Ultron himself was great, and I enjoyed that villain, and yep. I enjoyed James Spader's performance, 
and I thought it was a great villain. And I and and for that reason alone, almost I and and I liked that they went in a different direction from like they they didn't do okay yes they they brought they brought something up into the sky but they it wasn't an extra um, interstellar threat it was a threat from them from themselves mm. it was robots I'm I'm glad that they didn't go from one bunch of aliens to another bunch of aliens I'm, yep. I like that they went in a different direction for the sequel and it it served an important. It, Kind of like uh, something like Civil War, or inf- or maybe even um, Winter Soldier, or maybe Iron Man Three. It it served a, an important sort of stepping stone throughout the series, um, and maybe Guardians as well. Like it was an important point mm. that things happen in that movie that have consequences in other movies, and so it's not like you can say I wish it never happened because I think it needs to have happened. Sure. Um, but. I mean, really, an Avengers... If, if this was, like, a fan, as a fan, I would want the three Avengers movies to be one, two, and three. You know what I mean? Like, of the top mm, 20... Yeah. Like, if, if Marvel... They should be. You know what I mean? They should be the crown jewels. Uh, well, if I may just look at your rankings here, I, d- I don't think that they... You have not picked No! <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, I haven't, because they're not. And yeah. what I'm saying is... Oh, you wish that they were. I wish they that they be were. the best ones. That's right. <laughs> I wish that they... I wish that I could hand on my heart and say that the three Avengers movies are the top three Marvel movies. Like, that would be sick, right? Yeah. But they're not. And that sucks. But they're still okay. Civil yeah. War is basically an Avengers movie as yeah, well. True. Civil War is a better Avengers movie than Avengers, I think. And I Age think it's a better Avengers movie than Age of Ultron. Yeah. I don't know if it's better than an Avengers 1. Was Ultron by Joss Whedon? Did he yes. direct that? Yes, but and that's I think the one it's, where it he... suffers from it. Like, yeah. like, just like the first Avengers did. You had this these really flat opening sequences and then just a really kind of crippled villain. And... It was just, it just didn't quite work for me. I think Ultron, I liked James Spader's performance and I really liked his little speech about recreating the meteorite. I just thought that was cool. But the whole origin of him like coming from Loki's scepter and there was like, it's like a mind, but then it's like two minds because the vision was also that. But that I just found kind of weird. I, I, just thought, why why don't you just make Tony Stark just invent it? Yeah. Like uh, to me, that's that's simpler. And he already had Jarvis, so I don't know. The whole the whole thing just felt like it was a way to keep Tony's hands clean yet again. Keep like these characters from being too from having too much blood on their hands, yeah. basically. And this is a general problem with most blockbuster cinema now, and I think MCU has got to uh, um, take some responsibility for that. Is that unwillingness to have truly flawed characters yeah. who have um, you know whose actions have real devastating mm. consequences for themselves and the world that they didn't have to make amends for we've kind of really taken the teeth out of that yeah. in, in a lot of stories and so it's um, but I mean it's not even it's not even something that has to be devastating like I mean I just, I just I don't know like why personally devastating yeah well I, I mean I don't know why it popped into my head but like I just remember the first Toy Story film where the sort of pivotal first turning point in that is Woody's jealous of Buzz so he like tries to push him behind a shelf yeah. and then that leads to everything if that was a Marvel movie then it would be like Woody doesn't push him he just kind of goes you know 
Buzz, or, I don't really like you. And then Buzz, like, slips and falls. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It no, just, or it looks like he pushed him and then later it's revealed that he actually didn't push him. Yeah. It was a fall. Yeah. yeah. That he's actually innocent. Absolutely, yeah. And I think you're right. It, it's... Well, I mean, I think it's a... It's kind of... It's a symptom of the Disneyification of it all and the sort of, I guess, the fact that these movies are ultimately for children. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, so was Toy Story, and that, yeah. that, that was why I used that I as, guess, as an example I, because it's yeah. not a it's not a grown up child difference. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, that's a good point. It's I just suppose, a good narrative, bad narrative difference, yeah. and I think it's just a franchise concern. I think it's just because they don't want these characters to have too much shading because they just want them in tip-top mint condition for the next film. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think Tony Stark is the biggest victim of that because obviously he should be much more conflicted. Hey, look, maybe they've they've announced that the Black Widow film will be 18... will be R. But again, it's it's kind of like I was saying with Black Panther, like, they'll save, you know, a deeper, like... Conflict. A character flaw for the movie with the black lead, and it sounds like they're going to do the same with their first or mm. second woman lead movie. Mm. So it's interesting when they choose to have flawed characters, is what I'm saying. Mm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, oh, this that you can see this one suffers from having too many threads and not knowing how to keep all of them going at the same time. It mm. just feels very confused, and I think some of the stuff that has come out about like how much interference Marvel was having uh, in terms of yeah. well, just in terms of being at, at loggerheads with Joss Whedon and not really I, I mean it's hard to say who was going to be in the right in there. the right yeah. about that but you can t- you can tell from coming out from looking at it that it's a bit confused as a story and you've just got too many things going on mm. versus say like Infinity Wars equally bloated with as many story threads probably more but it feels more cohesive mm. it feels more and it's probably because they're working towards a very specific point um that they can all like they, they can focus it towards that whereas age of ultron kind of had like yeah, what are oh, they focusing towards? we want to like set up some infinity stones and introduce some other characters that mm. we haven't seen before and you but know, also they have to win against the bad guys they have to win and then like the bad guy's got to do this and yeah. like you know hydra was really weird in that like baron von Strucker oh yeah they're right at the start. start yeah yeah of course i yeah. i did that opening sequence uh, yeah. didn't really... I like, like the element of, like, the Avengers are just out there doing, like, avenging and mm. mopping up Hydra that we don't have to... It's not like yeah. they like the only time we see them are the Avengers movies. I like that element of it, this kind of idea that mm. th- that felt very comic-y to, mm. to have that sort of thing. But, yeah. um, Hawkeye's farm? <laughs> I do like that bit. <laughs> I like that. Um... And I don't know if it's just that I like thinking about having a farm like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. though, it's like, that'd be nice. I but... like Captain America ripping apart a piece of wood with his bare hands. Oh, that's yes. cool. You, you do. Uh, I, remember, <laughs> you remember when that clip came out before the movie? <laughs> it's like sending it to you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this! <laughs> All caps. He rips apart some wood with his bare hands. <laughs> uh, I remember when, uh, when that came out, I can't remember who, one of my female friends said to me something like, oh, I love that Linda Carter... Uh, Hawkeye's wife, Linda, whatever her name yeah. is, uh, is like doing when you first see her. She's like doing the dishes in her high heels. Yeah, and it's like I imagine that they fly onto her body like the Hulkbuster, like <laughs> as soon as like Hawkeye gets close to home. Yeah. It's like perfect domestic kind of scene. Just yeah. assembles itself. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Let's move on. Fifteen, are we? Sixteen. Com- coming 15. in at number fifteen. Oh Christ. <laughs> Doctor Strange. It's got 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it got quite high, yeah. Right? I ranked it a nice. 10. 
<laughs> is 89 the sex number, right? No, it is if you're doing it right. I ranked it at number 10. Steph ranked it at number 12. Kyle ranked this at number 20. It's his yeah, least favourite. Yeah, fuck you, Doctor Strange. Final rank for us, 15. Rotten Tomatoes, number 8. 8? Yeah, number they really eight. like it. 89% reviewed very well. Hmm. Um, so well, let's so why do it. you hate it, Kyle? Well, to me, it just epitomises everything that I... And again, like, hate's a strong yeah, word okay. for any of these. Everything I mildly dislike about mm. Marvel movies is just encapsulated in Doctor Strange. Uh, because I think it just has the exact same protagonist as, essentially, as Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, or really any of them. Uh, you know, like the arrogant dude who's at the top of his field, uh, who has some kind of accident that makes him, like... Humble, but not really, Yeah, I guess. Um, but the thing that annoyed me about Doctor Strange is that with Iron Man, um, because that's, I guess, more grounded, or as grounded as a guy flying around in a robot suit can be, like, you can kind of buy it a lot more. But when it's Doctor Strange, which really should be, like, I don't know, bed knobs and broomsticks or Fantasia or something, it should be, like, utterly fantastical, I just found it so uninspired in terms of the magic that yeah. was happening. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan, but with those books and movies, it doesn't take much. that much in the way of special effects to make you feel like you're in a magical world. Mm. But then in Doctor Strange, I never felt that. I never felt that I was seeing in this magical world. But it it just not. felt, it felt a lot like a, and like, just a computer game. Like, when he went to study magic, it was like, the ancient one told him, okay, to open up a, a teleporting portal, press triangle square X, and then he has to learn to do that, and then it's like, oh, I've opened a portal. And it just felt very, very by the book, and the effects were all very just inception-y, and very kind of geometrical, and I just yeah. never felt... Like, I remember getting pissed off, because he's, he's driving his car early in the movie to the tune of, like, one of Pink Floyd's really early, most psychedelic songs. And I was just like, this movie isn't psychedelic at all. It's like saying it's psychedelic, but it's not at all. It's just kind of, like, half Inception-y, half just, I don't know, any movie where they're jumping around punching each other. Do, oh, and do you remember when we... when we, we actually did talk about Doctor Strange. I can't remember if we released that. I episode. don't think we released it. Well, uh, part of it was that we were talking about it in the context of where Marvel was at the time, and mm -hmm. then we didn't get around to releasing it, so then yeah. Infinity War had come out since, so there wasn't much point. Yeah. In, like, but, um, I can't remember you hating it that much. Oh, I did. No, I definitely not disliked that, it. Not as strongly as now. Yeah. Mm. Um, I, I think it's my ranking is for this one was number 10, and that's very much how I feel like it. It's like right down the middle. Right. It's like It's the most Marvel movie of the Marvel movies. Where, like, it even kind mm. of has, like, a, a basic sort of Tony Stark template for mm. the character. Um, everything is... There's magic, but yeah, it's got this very kind of almost... Um, not quite scientific approach to it, but yeah, this yeah. very sort of, like... Methodical. These are, yeah, methodical approach, like, which kind of takes some of the mystery away. I don't mind that so much. I think that's not so bad in terms of... It doesn't always have to feel, to me, like... Magical. A, like a, yeah, like, like a... the, uh, introducing the cosmic elements that way, I thought worked for me mm. um but it's it because i feel like uh the asgardian elements of um mcu space kind of has that more mystical side to it even though they have that weird blending of science and magic 
they still have they still sort of treat it with this reverence of like oh that's what this mm. artifact does or there's just kind of magic for them and this is a different approach to those sort of elemental forces in the universe mm. yeah. I, I don't I don't mind that as much but I understand that being I, 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 I just found it frustrating because I felt like it never really took off I felt like it was always very firmly feet planted on the ground mm. and I just think that was the one movie where you could just where you want to just soar into like the weird stuff. Yeah, I can't, I know, I definitely know what you mean about it feeling not really earned. Like his magic and like one minute he's a beginner, he does a, he le- yeah, you're right, he mm. learns the combination of things he has to do or he reads a few books and mm. suddenly he can be the sorcerer supreme. Mm. And that didn't, that didn't land for me. Like this, mm. his, his arc and his development from just this skeptic to the literal most like most powerful sorcerer in the mm. world mm. happens in apparently a movie's time. Yeah. And you don't feel that at all. Mm. And you certainly don't feel it even when he comes back in Infinity War and he's so sort of omnipotent and is that the right word? Omnipotent? Uh, omnipotent. Um, I don't know what I'm trying all to say. All seeing or all powerful? Yeah, all powerful. Yeah. Omnipotent. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I, I felt like he, like, he hadn't earned that position. Yeah. And that's annoying. Yeah. Uh, that's quite annoying. And he, he seems really, like, just unfazed by anything. That happens Throughout Doctor Strange and then Infinity War. He's just always like, yeah, and I mean, that's what I do now. I'm really yeah, good at magic. Yeah, uh, and he's still not kind of grappling with it. And should have been Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think we can all agree Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch is the wrong casting choice oh, out yeah. of many, yeah. many possible casting choices. Yeah. I, in, our, in our Lost... Doctor Strange episode I was saying I feel like Mads Mikkelsen and Benedict Cumberbatch should have been switched I think they would have been better (laughs) better in the opposite roles yeah Um, yeah Mads would have been great yeah Mads would be a fantastic Doctor Strange Mm. there's there's so many different aspects to Doctor Strange you could make him far more theatrical Mm. uh, and it's weird to think like oh Benedict Cumberbatch is not theatrical but he's not he's He's got that that very reserved kind of um, stiff upper lip kind of English and you could have him be that just that sort of more you know Classical Shakespeare yeah, kind, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. kind of uh, approach to it would be really fun. Like, who's the guy from Inglorious Bastards? Christoph Waltz. Yeah, even someone like him. Yeah. Someone, someone sort of yeah. wacky and yeah. European, like yeah, yeah. Or a mad sort of type. Anyway, yeah, um, Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean that would be a choice. That would be a choice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we move yep. on to the next one? Coming in at number fourteen. Iron Man from 2008. The first. The first. And the one that started everything. I ranked it at 15. Steph was at 18. Kyle was at 7. Tomato. Rotten Tomatoes ranks this at 2. Ooh. It gets uh, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is the other interesting thing about Rotten Tomatoes. It's always a snapshot of, of the, the reviews at the yeah. time. Yeah. So, uh, for, you know, for example, something that's very low down, Thor The Dark World, number 20, um, whereas Iron Man 1... Being 2008, it was such a an impact for the time. It yeah, would have the, reviewed the, very well. For the time yes. it reviewed very very well, um, and I think you also see that in some of their other higher rankings, which uh, show up as higher rankings for us as well. But mm. you can see that people were becoming much more uh, fond of of the Marvel thing, yes. uh, especially when it's being done well. Once they've sort of worked out what they can do with the formula, um, so Iron Man one, I don't know. It's it's. I barely I, remember it. Yeah, I only re- I rewatched it last year, and a lot of it, it, it does. It feels kind of dated now, which you would expect. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a from it was ten years old. It's now nearly eleven. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. It, I think it deserves a lot of credit for starting all of it. Mm. It's you can see a lot of the MCU just started right there, and they 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 hit on 
they really caught lightning in a bottle in terms of what they were trying to do. Yeah. Uh, and what they were able to build from out of that. And I and it is a, a look the Iron Man franchise. As much as I don't like it, I guess what they did that was so probably the most genius thing that they did. Well, there was probably two the things casting of Terrence Howard. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the casting of Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and probably the and probably hiring a, a dude like John Favreau who um, gets shit done in a very matter-of-fact way mm. and is a very much a company man um, with Disney now and just basically... I wouldn't have called him a company man. Like, the whole... The Iron Man 1 was heavily improvised, I think. No, but he... He's a smart... He's, like, John Favreau, to me, is a classic, I get what Hollywood is and I'll play in this world. Yeah, I like, would agree he, with that. He, he has been in the industry for a very long time. He's an actor and he just gets it. Mm-hmm. And he's not a particularly great technical director, but he knows what he has to do. Mm-hmm. He knows the beats, and he's like, there is a formula that I will stick mm-hmm. to, and nine times out of ten, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's what happened. And they were smart enough to just hire a dude like that, and a guy, I guess, at the beginning of Joss Whedon and those other, Joe Johnson, those guys that are just like journeyman directors at the beginning mm-hmm. of the, that phase one, who they just were like just stay the course and yeah. do the mm. thing and we'll experiment later. Well, which is probably wasn't even their plan, but it's yeah. what happened. Hey, we're going to talk about John Favreau if being or not being a company man for Disney. He did also go on to direct The Jungle Book. I think he's doing The Lion King. Well, he's also... And he's doing The Mandalorian yeah. in the Star Wars universe. Mm. So he's he's Disney company man yeah. all well, the way. Well, he created... I mean, I think he's got those jobs now because of Iron Man. Oh, I would agree. But oh, I yeah. think Absolutely. at the time he'd also done Zarathura or whatever it was. So he'd Zathura, done yeah. Zathura, yeah, like he'd done a few movies like that. All I know is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But he didn't do that one, didn't he? That's Shane Black. That's Shane Black. Oh, oh sorry, I was. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was thinking of Shane. Anyway, the um, look, yeah, I I, I don't really remember. It wasn't um, bloody Jeff Bridges in it. Yep. Yeah. He was the baddie. Ah. Yeah, he's an ironmonger. Mm. The bad arm stealer, not the good arm stealer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, they made a movie about a, a white dude who's an arm stealer. Well, the character of Iron Man in the comics was created as a joke because it was in the 60s and Stanley's like, I'm going to create a character who really should be hated, but people are going to love him. And it was obviously like a white billionaire arms dealer at the time of the extremely unpopular Vietnam War. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I was just thinking, I'm not sure if you could make Iron Man today, starting from scratch. Well, imagine if they made, like, this year, they've got, well, they had Black Panther, they've got um, uh, Captain Marvel, and imagine if they then brought out Iron Man. Like, mm. it would just be weird, right? It would yeah. be weird. I mean, considering how the tide has turned on, like, Elon Musk... Like, I can't see people chomping behind <laughs> Tony Stark yeah. from Dot now. Yeah. yeah. It would be interesting. Although, maybe, you never know, the old uh, Robert D, he might be able to get it, make it work. That guy's, you know, that guy is like Teflon, man. Mm. Literally. Elon Musk as Iron Man would have been great casting. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he would have loved it. He would have loved it. He would have. I'm, you know what? There's almost no chance that Elon Musk does not have his own like deep fake video that he's made where he's put his own face onto on, the onto the, the, the whole onto movie, all the Iron Man movies, yeah. and the Avengers movies. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like any movie any that has movie. Iron Man in it, I'm mm. pretty sure Elon Musk has a private folder yeah. of wow. deep fake videos where his face is on there. Wow, <laughs> gotta be, 
Yeah. Well, look, it does deserve credit for starting it all. That's pretty much all it deserves credit for. It's it's, mm. it's a fine movie. It's mm. nothing better than the that. The bad guys in the movie would be the cave divers who got the kids out. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who just got Australian of the Year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the actual heroes, actual yeah. real-life heroes. Okay. Pepper oh. Potts is played by Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Does um, Iron Munger get the award for best shoehorn of a character name or movie title where iron mongers tony yeah in fact wait a second you could call me an iron monger yeah i mean that's that's i'm trying to think of other ones that because the mcu kind of started to hold back from that a bit well in incredible hulk you had it's it's some kind of hulk yeah 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 and then also like what's that abomination you you could become an abomination yeah. turns at the camera. <laughs> like, and, but those are both, like, the, that's 2008, right? Yeah. There. Like, the, yeah. that was when you did mm. those things more. I feel like, I'm trying to remember, like, how they do those now. I feel like they try and, like, make them a bit... What was that name for me they had down at the GCU? It's like, Two-Face Harvey, Two-Face. Yeah. Like, that was good. Yeah, that's, again, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> when Harvey good. Dent lost his face to that yeah. I mean, explosion it's, from dark elf magic. And it's... The dark <laughs> Really bold move from Nolan there. Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as, like, say, the last Fantastic Four movie, which does my my least ver- favorite version of that kind of thing. Where right before the credits, the like, wow, this is really fantastic, and then someone goes, wait, say that again, yeah, and uh, then credits, yeah. That's another great. That's an episode we did. You should listen to that. Oh one. yeah, go back and listen we, to that. We, 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 we complain a lot about yeah. <laughs> Fantastic Four. <laughs> Moving on, number 13 is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, from snap. 2018. Last year. Um, yeah, what's number 12? Well, what is there to say about this, really? Mm-hmm. Well, I ranked it at 14, Steph ranked it at 10, Kyle ranked it at 12. So it's right in the middle for all of us. Yeah, it's and one of my Rotten blog. Tomatoes ranked it at 10 as well. It's yeah. just so... In the it's middle. right in the middle. It's uh, part of my middle blob of just, like, they're all pretty much the same. Yep. There was a good car chase in it. It's, mm. got, um, it's got the funny dude in it, Michael Penner. Yeah. He's good. Yep. Uh, it's got. I liked how it had this sort of this sort of sixties sort of farcical romp it feel like about a caper. it. Yeah, like yeah. a caper movie. Like there was like um, they were always being chased by the mob or whatever. Well, there's like the mob guys, and yeah. then there's the police, and then there's the about the bad girl, the the, the shadow lady, and mm. they're like all chasing them, looking for the MacGuffin thing that they yeah. want, and that's. I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah, that, was that episode of I it. like that the Ant Man movies, that both of them are just kind of their own thing. pretty much removed from the mm. bigger um, picture and they don't really do much to kind of tie them in. Like mm. they do like little things here and there. Um, and obviously they, they do the snap and the, the Thanos Well, snap and, and I think he's going to be pretty significant in Endgame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a lot that you can see things there, but they don't make a big deal no. of like, look, we're also holding an Infinity Stone no, yeah, or no, anything no, like no. that. Um, so I. I I think the, I think they they exist in a in a nice little pocket of the of the Marvel universe where they can just do their own thing and have a bit of a fun caper with it. So yeah, it's they're fine, but yeah, that's why they go right in the middle of the blob for me. I, Ghost I, was really fucking cool. Yeah, oh, I actually. Sorry, yeah, no, I think they I think they're good. I I think they're I have a lot of a big soft spot for the Ant Man franchise. Mm. I feel like they are a little bit unfairly maligned and they're kind of fun and and Paul Rudd is really great. Um, I think Michael Douglas is funny in him. Mm. Mm-hmm. The I don't know, yeah, the the characters are good. I like it. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention about Ant Man and the Wasp, I love when at the end they go to rescue uh, the mum, 
Janet Pym. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she's been in there for what, like 30 years or something? Something like that. Yeah. And then they like go in there and she's like, hey guys, what's up? And then she just like comes out. I'm like, she spent 30 years yeah. alone in that sort of trippy space. Your brain would be mush after two, three days. Yeah. Like, she should not be speaking. Like, yeah, unless she... they're going to go down the route of like, she found the microverse and there was like this civilization down there. But she would be like a vegetable. Anyone would be like... She's Janet Van Dyne. She's she holds her shit together. She's yeah, but she didn't lost. even know she'd be rescued. She was just thinking this could be forever. And like, maybe she can't die. Yeah, <laughs> but in the quantum realm, you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I know, but you you'd just be Gaga. It's like, I just I thought that was really 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 weird. That, I mean, that, that that's, was jarring. That's Marvel all over that kind of deflation of stakes. Yeah, like, that sort of thing of like, oh no, she may not even be in there. Or she could be, she could be, you know, dead um, or, or dead or anything. And then just like, oh, oh I'm no, fine. I'm yeah. fine. Hello. And just yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, pay a bit of lip service to like, oh, it's been a long time, <laughs> but like. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just mm. that's my all over. It's just it, you know we don't treat these huge things with enough gravitas because we've got yeah. other things we need to move on to all the yeah. time. Yeah, it's just kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of other things to move on to, number twelve is Marvel's The Avengers, <gasps> which for some reason is the full title of that movie. Yeah. Uh, well, Marvel's re- Avengers Assemble. If you're in the UK. Yes. Shout out to our UK listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so many of you. Um, my ranking was number eight. Steph's was number seven. Kyle has this at number 19. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure I had it right. Rotten, <laughs> Rotten yeah. Tomatoes has it at number four. I get the feeling where there might be some discussion here. Okay, Kyle's got out his notes. Point number one. Uh, point to first. Yeah. Uh, Let me consult my pamphlet that I published at the time at the time it was released. What a what a flat disappointment. <laughs> what a, a made for TV oh, Christmas special of a movie. Wow. With a completely workmanlike basic sort of shot reverse shot cinematography. Uh pretty average fight choreography really strained dialogue at times and just left me feeling empty inside okay hang on a minute did you feel this when it came out no but okay okay so when i when it came out i was like 25 or something 2012 uh and me and my friends we were just like giddy we were literally kind of like Giggling yes. in, the, in the line. Oh, and I we saw like, this movie together and mm-hmm. giggled the whole. Way yeah, through. we were like little dorks, and we were so excited. <laughs> and then we we got in, and I was no matter what played out on that screen, I was gonna love it because it's you know that's that's where I was. Yeah, but even so, even with that, I remember through the opening sort of five minutes, like I was, it was just started, had the popcorn, I was like so geared up. And through the opening, like, five or six minutes, there was just this little niggling doubt in the back of my head that was like, oh, this isn't very good. Because it starts off with that opening speech by the Power Rangers villain who's in there. The Other, I think mm-hmm. it's called, where it's like, the Tesseract has awakened. And it was just like this, re- that whole character was awful. And then it goes into the opening scene at Project Pegasus, uh, the secret base where they're holding the Tesseract and 
the line readings and dialogue were just really stilted. Like, it's just like the way they went back and forth with these Whedon lines. It was just... It just seemed really kind of unnatural and mm. kind of very contrived. And... Uh, then the, the movie opening title came up and there was just this little niggling doubt in the back of my head. But, you know, in, in I pushed that down. But in retrospect, looking back, um, you have to say it's like... It's not Very good. a great movie. Um, look, I think we cut it a lot of slack because of that giddiness and because mm. of the moments that it does give us. And it was the first time that anyone really pulled off this kind of crossover. Yeah, movie. it was like, so... It, it should not have worked. Everyone loved it. Everyone was like you. They were giddy in the cinema. And that when that when Hulk picks up Loki and, and throws him across the room like that, the, yeah. the place yeah. cheers, yeah. right? The, the movie has the moments that fans want. And it, yeah, and I, I mean, just, it's like, I know you're right that it's not great. And when you rewatch it now, you do go... And this is that phase one, phase three thing, right? Mm. Like, those movies back then were so different. They they didn't know how far they could push. But at the same time, we, knew, we know what a good movie is. Yeah, And I, even I at the agree. time, even by the standards of other action movies or whatever, yeah. it just wasn't that great. You look at the final Battle of New York, and the amount of shots which are just them standing around on a street with, like... There's taxis everywhere. Like, they're taxis, like, in the front of the camera and then behind the camera, just stationary, no one in them. And they just seem to be... Haven't you been to New York? Yeah, but they just seem to be fighting. It is weird. Then you you need to tell them that you're walking. If you look at movies like Transformers or other Snyder movies, I'm not saying those are good action scenes, but you don't have to look like you're fighting in a car park the whole time. Mm. It's... So much traffic in New York, though, you know? Yeah, but... Get over onto 49. Hey, I'm walking here! They are walking there. It's just (laughs) really... It looks... If you take random frames from that, or even, like, the frames that they clearly want you to dwell on, uh, it's just really flat. It looks like they're on a a stage or something. I mean, it feels very small in that, and I'll I'll, I'll definitely grant that, but there's a lot of things where, like, it'll sort of then cut to the big CGI shot to try and feel bigger, but then anything that's close up, it all feels very small. Joss Whedon is a TV guy. I I, I would acknowledge he's not a very cinematic director, and it does feel more TV for that reason. Kind of the same way, like, you find out, like, Return of the Jedi was directed by a guy that was... Uh, a TV director and then when you sort of look at it with that lens you can see you know that it's got a lot of that kind mm. of you know um, shot reverse shot yeah, shot, and... Re- shot and reverse shot all the way through and yeah it just loses that kind of cinematic quality I kind of in some ways I think that helped make it more digestible for just getting those excitement uh, moments through for a lot of people I don't I don't know if that's necessarily makes it good I just think mm. that maybe that that level of digestibility made it easier to um to get on board with, we're crossing over everything. Yeah, because I the crossover don't... is more typically a TV thing up to that point. I don't because I found it quite jarringly bad, mm. and it kind of pulled me out of it a bit. That so many of the shots were just kind of badly or blandly framed. And with the dialogue, this sounds nitpicky, but I wrote it down because to me it sums up a lot of the just weirdness of the dialogue that pulls me out. And when I say things are like the dialogue's a bit awkward in their in their back and forths then this is kind of what i mean so there's an exchange between captain america and agent coulson uh in the in the helicopter sort of early on in the movie when they're getting the team together and uh they're talking about bruce banner 
and Cap's reading his file and it's like, oh, okay, uh, so this guy turns into a monster or whatever. And Coulson goes, yeah, but when he's a scientist, he's like a Stephen Hawking with this stuff. And then Cap goes like, huh? And then Coulson is like, oh, sorry, he's like a really smart guy. And they clearly used Stephen Hawking in that, which is not a phrase. No one says, oh, he's really smart. He's like a Stephen Hawking with that stuff. They say, oh, he's really smart. He's like an Einstein with that stuff. But they couldn't use Einstein because Einstein was contemporaneous with Captain America. So he would have understood the reference. Yeah, so, so you're, just, you're just mad that they set up a later joke? No, I'm mad that they they <laughs> they, shoot they wrote this dialogue and then realised, oh shit, Einstein doesn't work. Let's use Stephen Hawking. And it sounds wrong because people don't talk like that. Yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, I, I get I've got nitpicks about some of the dialogue in Avengers too. Like, it just sounds very, very written. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, that's, that's Whedon. It's yeah. very, it's very but like, Whedon, look how clever I yeah. am But in TV shows, they speak fast. And I think that kind of helps it go by. And when there is one that's like, oh, people don't talk like that because it's so rat-a-tat. Mm. Then there's another three that have happened since you thought that. But when you've got people speaking in this same pace as normal people, just kind of normally and slowly, then that kind of thing is really kind of... It sticks yeah. out like a sore look, thumb. Look, I think we can all agree. Joss Whedon, they hired someone who understands fan culture. Yeah. And they and on that on that level, he delivered for those two movies, and and pretty much that's kind of the only level he delivered on. Yeah. Yeah. When they graduated to the Russo brothers, they hired people who understood story, and true drama and true comedy. Who were also TV directors who are ten times better Absolutely. at cinematography. Well, that's a well, fluke, man. They're five lucky. times better because there's two of them. So <laughs> get out of and, 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 and frankly, I think they just got lucky with that. Like, I mean, yeah. They, yeah, they got lucky that the Russo brothers seem to actually know what they're doing. Yeah. But that's that could have gone very badly. Um, yeah, no one was watching season four of Community and going, going yeah. give yeah. them the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Of but the, you know, the like it turned out to be world. a great a great bet for them, a, a really great move. Mm. But you know, who knows what they could have delivered? Yeah, I think Joss Whedon did what he had to do, which was he made people excited about a, a crossover film. Mm-hmm. He yes, he doesn't write great dialogue, and he's not a particularly great cinematic director. And I don't hate Whedon's dialogue. Uh, Firefly, I, was a, I wasn't so much into Buffy because I think I was just a, I didn't watch it on TV. Um, but what I've seen, I've liked. But Firefly was like the one that really pulled me in and I absolutely loved it. And yeah, I think like his tone and his style of dialogue can definitely work. I just think everything that kind of feels a bit iffy about his, about his best works is really magnified yeah. in Avengers. And it just... His worst habits are just all on display. Yeah. Mm. And, um, yeah, it just, to me, is a bit too much. Mm. I can see you've got enough notes no, no. for a full episode let's, there. Let's, so let's <laughs> you're going to have to... A couple more. One more. Um, one, you one okay. more, choose oh, it and me, do it quickly. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> it's up to you whether it's a bit one or a real one. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, so, when Nick Fury's talking about the Avengers project, the yeah. Avengers Initiative, yep. and it's like... There was an idea to... Oh, sorry, that was... You don't have to do an impression. (laughs) I'll do it as Bronson. There was an idea. No. Uh, It's like, there was an idea to bring together a group of fantastic individuals or whatever. But in the movie, like... So Thor just comes down completely coincidentally because it's his brother, right? 
So I don't think they were aware they were aware of Thor, but they also had no way of contacting him, and he was up in Asgard. So I don't think he was on their list, right? Uh, obviously, Iron Man was Captain America. They had so I think those two were Thor Jones. Coincidentally, Bruce Banner. I don't think they wanted anyone to do with. He's only there for the Gamma. No, they actively so go after him yeah, for for the Gamma. They tell him that so that he'll come along with them. I don't think he was on their Avengers list, but I think he was because they come. He, yeah. But when he's when Fury is talking to like that Shadow Council and he's like, "Oh, what about the Avengers Initiative?" and they're like, "That group of freaks." I was like, who was on that apart from, like, Cap and Iron Man and then, okay, maybe Black Widow and Hawkeye, but mm. they're not freaks. Yeah. So there's, like, two freaks. And one of them is just a guy with, like, really good arm tech. So there's only, like, one freak. So I was just, like, wondering who is on their actual... Who is on Fury's, like, beta version Avengers Initiative List 1, 1.0? Right. Well, let's find out in Captain Marvel coming out in <laughs> <Yeah>. March 2019. <laughs> well, I thought there was more in that. I thought it would be like, okay, we've got the Avengers Initiative. We've got, like, Captain America. Adam Warlock. We've got... <laughs> Wonder Man. We've got Captain America. We've got a couple of spies. Goliath. The, the world's tallest man. I mean... Hank, Usain Bolt. He's Hank, really fast. Hank Pym was probably on there. Yeah. Yeah, but like, the, Hank with, Pym wouldn't have been because he hates S.H.I.E.L.D. and he doesn't Yeah, work. but they probably had him on there as, like, we can maybe try and recruit him if we need to. World-ending mm. catastrophe, he'd probably help out in some way. Yeah, but you know, there's, there's, there's things there's like that. Quite, yeah. there, there, we don't know. I mean, maybe, mm, cool. maybe. It's just weird. It's a good question. Well done. <laughs> yeah, number 11 uh, is Ant Man. First Ant Man, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, 13 uh, on my ranking, 9 on Steph's, 10 on Kyle's. Again, right down the middle. Uh, final rank for us is 11, and Rotten Tomatoes' rank is 13. So we're all pretty much in agreement. Yeah, there. it's pretty similar. Roughly right. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff we said about Ant Man and the Wasp Correct. applies here. It's it's fun. It's it's kind of disposable, but in a nice way. I guess one to come back to the Ant Man and the Wasp. I guess one of the, the the criticisms you can make of Ant Man and the Wasp is really those two movies, Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp, are kind of the same movie, and like like yeah. the, 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 like. Ant Man and the Wasp is just a better version of Ant Man. Yeah. Oh, I see, I think Ant Man was better than Ant Man. All oh, right. Okay. I think. I mean. Hmm. I mean, the Yellow Jacket, I do like me some Corey Stoll, but that wasn't a great performance and it wasn't a great character. It wasn't a great villain. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm not a fan of the uh, villain that has a similar suit to the other yeah, guy, yeah, which yeah. is also Ironmonger and also uh, that that's the, the part about Black Panther I really don't like yeah. Yeah. as so well. A lot, of, a lot of them do that. Yeah, but that common. does give us the fight on the model train set, which is one of my favourite yes, final so fights. Yes, there's, so there's fun things yeah. there. Oh, I, yeah, oh, look... Uh, what I said before is true. I think the Ant Man movies are good. I think they're funny, and I think I think and I mean I could watch Paul Rudd read a phone book to yeah. be honest. The yeah. guy's like made of charisma. Yes. And he's got his cute daughter, who's like in the second mm. one, Ant Man and the Wasp. She's super cute in mm. that, and she's really cute in the first one as well. I really enjoy the daddy daughter relationship in it. Yeah. And I really enjoy, um, yeah, like I said, Michael Douglas is great. All of his little his his little criminal little posse that helps him out. They're funny. Mm, that's fun. Yep. There's a I, couple of great moments. The tank keychain. Yeah. Well, oh. He's carrying. He's just got a little toy tank. Or you think it's a toy tank on his keychain. Then at the end, he sticks a grower on it, and it turns into an actual tank. Just a couple of cool. Sh- yeah. All like the that. growing, the stuff is all fun. About I, the most interesting thing you can say about Ant Man is the whole Edgar Wright fiasco where he mm. got kicked off from directing it that's sad but even so it ended up a good 
Yeah, and Peyton Reed is actually quite a good director as well. So I feel like when we talk about that, it's a bit unfair to him because he did a pretty good job mm, with those. He's movies. another one of those journeyman directors, yeah, I think. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, but he, he's obviously found like a thing that he that he can play with quite well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, within that, so I think, yeah, fine enough choice. Um, that's number eleven. So we are halfway through, halfway that's, through the ranks. Uh, our second episode will be going through ten to number one. Mm. Probably less interesting discussion. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. Well, Black Panther will be in it. What else? Iron Man 3. I know you've got some thoughts on that. Uh, The 10 that we haven't mentioned will be in there. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, stay tuned. 